Welcome to the Sugar Switch Podcast, featuring Kathy Orman, health coach and author of The Sugar Switch. This is the number one short, sweet, and to-the-point podcast all about sugar and your health. You'll discover how to kick the sugar, eliminate cravings for good, completely reverse pre-diabetes, increase your energy, and lose weight, look good, and feel great. As well, you'll be empowered to reduce your risk for serious health issues. And now, here's your host, Kathy Orman. Hello and welcome. This is part two in the very exciting and informative series called, Oh No, Am I Really Addicted to Sugar? Today I'm going to continue to go deep into the topic of sugar addiction and how to be able to tell if you're truly addicted to sugar. This is an important topic and it's on many people's minds for two reasons. One, because sugar is such a sweet diversion that seems impossible to resist. And two, because of the high level of stress that's been driving people to seek comfort in the form of their favorite sweet foods. And the sugar consumption, sugar addiction issue is complicated even more by the fact that sugar seems to be absolutely everywhere. It's hidden in just about all refined foods. And the scary part from a health perspective is that people are no longer totally aware of just how much sugar they're consuming and it's causing widespread health issues. Excessive sugar and refined foods consumption have been linked to a long list of serious health issues, including heart disease, stroke, prediabetes, diabetes, arthritis and joint pain, fatty liver disease, kidney issues, and more. You might be wondering, how can sugar be that bad? Is sugar addiction real, or is there just too much hype about sugar? Or, am I really addicted to sugar? So to help you answer these questions, I continued to go deep into my exploration of sugar addiction. And I'm very excited to have my special guest back again. He is a person who has lived through and recovered from substance abuse, including sugar addiction. My guest is Michael Collins. Michael believes sugar addiction is very real and not to be taken lightly. As a person in long-term recovery from substance use disorder for over 35 years, he took a very keen interest in what sugar was doing to him and his friends in early recovery. After much research and experimentation, he quit sugar with the help of amazing mentors. He then raised two children sugar-free from the womb to six years old, and as they grew, he rewrote the rules for sugar and kids in childhood. He takes very seriously his stewardship of sugaraddiction.com and aims to provide information and community for anyone wanting to curb or quit sugar. Mike is the founder of both sugaraddiction.com and quitsugarsummit.com. His book, The Last Resort Sugar Detox, has been read by hundreds of thousands of people and his online 30-day challenge, Sugar Freedom Challenge, has been successfully completed by thousands. Welcome back to the Sugar Switch Podcast, Michael. I'm so excited to have you join me for this continuing series of episodes. Well, thanks for having me. It's an honor. I've been following your work and I'm excited to share and have a nice long conversation with you. To get started, Michael, I'll do a quick 30-second recap of our last episode together, and then we'll carry on the conversation about sugar addiction. In part one of this series, TSSP113, we talked in depth about what sugar addiction is and how sugar addiction is very real. Medical science has proven beyond the shadow of a doubt that sugar stimulates the exact same reaction in the brain as addictive drugs like cocaine. It's considered to be the original gateway drug. It's very interesting and surprising that people who have recovered from alcohol or drug abuse 
end up addicted to sugar because of that brain reaction, which is dopamine. Our conversation progressed as we talked about fructose and how it directly affects the brain and the fact that the brain is looking for that dopamine hit, which manifests itself as sugar cravings. Let's get back to fructose for just a minute. In the dietary issue of fructose, the body can certainly handle a certain amount of fructose. It's when we go overboard and when it's added to foods like refined foods. So for instance, if you have one apple or maybe an apple and some other small fruit along with something else that's going to balance that sugar and and help the body to digest it properly, then it's not a problem. Even the fructose isn't a problem. However, if you have a whole huge plate, eight inch dinner plate full, heaped full of fruit, and that's Mm. all you eat, yes, it's a problem because the body can't process that amount of fructose. So it's about the amount of fructose and it's about where it's from as well. The added fructose is a problem because it's chemical. Mm. It's not real live fructose with nutrition it's just fructose oh i'm so glad you said that because that's 100 percent true i it's hard for me to explain to people that and i use the analogy of the peruvian indians chewing the coca leaves which in itself is probably not the best but when you process that stuff down into cocaine you have a pretty toxic drug and the same thing is with the fructose you know and people don't realize that uh, fresh squeezed organic orange juice has the same amount of fructose in it as a coke and so you're getting that hit of the liver now i i always have the fruit issue in a lot of my talks you know i'm a follower of a guy named dr gary fetke from tasmania who has a great youtube video that talks about is fruit good for you and this idea that the fructose in fruit fruit will slow it down because it has fiber it'll it'll slow down the absorption does get that hit of the liver like a coke does or an orange juice does where you know all of the fiber has been taken out but regardless if you're still eating a whole bunch of it i mean i've had so many people uh, get off the white stuff the powdered stuff the flour and the sugar and then overdose on fruit and they couldn't lose weight because they were still processing a ton of fructose and, and then when they gave up the fruit the, the weight disappeared so you know i've seen it up close and personal and it kind of models the numbers at the food addiction institute it models the obesity numbers about a third of folks really just can't process this stuff that well their body's sensitive and then about a third of the people can kind of take it or leave it and, and that's like the two-thirds of people that are overweight and the third that are obese and then a third of people can process it okay and so i think everyone's a little different and we process but i always talk about this <laughs> This analogy, like if you and I were to sit down and do shots of gasoline, yeah, gasoline, one of us is going to drop dead sooner or later first, right? And then the next one's going to drop dead right behind it, but we're both going to drop dead. And it's like the same kind of thing. Everybody's body's a little different, a little stronger, a little, a little more tolerance, but the science has proven, and would not beyond a shadow of a doubt, that an excess of fructose is going to damage a lot of the systems in your body. And the part that they're not getting, and we'll get to it, but is the emotional management system of the brain. That part is a deeper science, but it's not that hard to understand once you kind of get it. It's when that light bulb goes on that people get well in my world. They finally realize that they're not thinking about the sweet, like you said. They're thinking about, well, they are just thinking about the sweet because they don't know that scientifically, technically, they're really looking for the dopamine hit. Their body is conspiring to get that into them. And it manifests itself in thinking about sugar or sweet things. Yeah, it's a tricky little juxtaposition of science for sure. 
I think so. And there is a lot more to sugar addiction than meets the eye. It's not about just, I'm going to stop today and that'll be the end of it. As you said, there is that emotional management. It's not one little tiny aspect, right? It goes deeper and deeper. It's a journey. It's really a journey. It's not just a one-hour coaching or taking part in a summit for one day or whatever it is. It's more absolutely. We we have the you know the summits are in the challenges they're great 30 days but our real program starts in the community where it's days 30 to 365 the recidivism rates in science are lore they're legendary okay meaning that most people lose a certain amount of weight primarily by quitting the white stuff we all know that's what all diets say to do right and then they gain it all back in the first year the cdc did a study on the the biggest loser show television show where they lose hundreds of pounds all but one or two had gained all their weight back after four or five years right so they because they aren't imbued with this kind of understanding that we're talking about today. And I can really kind of outline it for folks if they're willing to listen. When you're young, your mother gave you a cookie and sent you to the TV when she was busy. She didn't really have time. And this was something you started to learn unconsciously. It was when you had worry or fear. She didn't get down and give you a hug and you know see what's, say what's wrong, dear. She would give you a cookie to alleviate it or some ice cream or something. And then you started to understand that when you had some worry, when you had some angst, when you had some fear, when you were scared, when you were hurt or lonely or tired, you would have a little bit of sugar and it would make you feel better. And because it was almost free and and everywhere, you could get it without robbing a bank or anything, you ended up with this unconscious habit of reaching for sugar. And then when you got to the other side and you decided that it was a health issue and you started to quit, all of a sudden this other constellation of you felt depressed and scared and worried and anxious and you're like, well, I didn't change anything in my life, but quit sugar. And it's like when people really ingrain that, when they journal it out and they start to dig deeper into it, that's when they get well. That's when they turn the corner because they understand now that this is a really well-known construct in the drug and alcohol world. And this is really simple. And, and everyone knows about it if you work in that field is that if you started using drugs and alcohol at 14 or 15, and that's when you stopped growing emotionally. You stopped handling stuff. You went to drugs and alcohol to handle these issues that we've just described. The hard part is that people don't accept people that have been through a food addiction recovery or a sugar addiction recovery. They don't equate those two together yet. They, it hasn't hit the general public. People know about it in the treatment industry, but they don't know about it in the general public. But if you talk to anyone that's lost two or 300 pounds, they didn't lose it by exercise and proper diet. They lost it by going through an understanding, rewiring A, their brain, but refixing, rejiggering, reconfiguring, reworking the way that they handle this stuff, way they handle their ordinary stressors, their, their everyday fear, their everyday worries. They change that work to they go for a walk, they call a friend, they get a hug, they get a massage. They do different things in order to handle their, their stress, okay? And when that light bulb goes on, that's when people get better. When they join a community that understands this construct, then they change. Because the world, in 
part doesn't understand it. They just think they want a sweet treat. And it doesn't compute that there's a deeper meaning to the desire, the, the cravings for sugar. It is kind of wild. Like To me, it's fascinating, but I, I think some people don't want to look that deeply into it. They want a food plan and a diet and an exercise plan, and they don't want to talk about this touchy-feely emotion stuff. <laughs> well, truly, truly, because it takes time and it takes courage and yeah. it takes determination, you know, like right. to actually hit those walls. It's like you're hitting a wall and you're having to look at it, figure a way to climb over it. Sure. People really want to do that mm, sometimes. Yeah. Depends right. on the person. Yeah, I totally get that. In a previous discussion that you and I had, you talked about the stages of sugar addiction. What are the stages that sugar addicts go through? Well, it's not unlike or dissimilar to, uh, you know, drug addict. And one of the things that I think our work is successful because 90% of the coaches out there are from the diet and exercise world. They're health coaches and they haven't seen this phenomena up front. And the phenomena starts like the drug addiction stuff with tolerance. And tolerance is simple. You just need more to get to the same effect, right? And one of the things about our studies of the dopamine stuff is that you're not trying to get a little buzz anymore. Like the kids, when you bring out all the food and they're running around like crazy people, you're just trying to get back to normal. As you get to be adults, you've down-regulated, thinned out your dopamine receptors and other receptors in your brain for your brain rewards, your nucleus accumbens, brain reward systems. And you just need to get back to normal. You can't go into the meeting starting a little bit of withdrawals. And, and withdrawals are headaches and irritability and hunger and foggy brain is one of the things. And so there's this slow step up. And a lot of things, the foggy brain is interesting because everybody comes to us, we got a saying, people come for the vanity and they stay for the sanity, right? It's like they come because they want to lose weight, right? They think that they want to lose some pounds and maybe get healthy, get diabetes or, you know, whatever. But then they start to realize that their brain is coming back. People even say that, that their brain came back online, their processing power, but it goes away so slowly. In other words, when you're young and you've got a strong, healthy dopamine serotonin system, you can pound it. You can pound it hard and it doesn't hurt you. But then it starts to progress. And the progression, I don't even think of the weight gain as part of the progression. It's just natural. That's a byproduct. But you start to slow down mentally and you're lethargic and you just need that boost at four o'clock in the afternoon or whatever it is, you know, whatever your timing is. So it's very similar to the drug and alcohol stuff where you have the tolerance and you have the need for more and that eating it would be detrimental to your health or well-being or relationships. You hide it. So many people as a quote unquote symptom finally admit that they've been hiding the kids' Halloween candy. They've been eating stuff in the car on the way home and throwing the wrapper away. This is behavior that they're like, this is not them, right? This is not who they are. They're not liars. They don't want to deceive their family and the doctor and stuff, but they are willing to lie about it, to go to different 7-Elevens to get the same thing so that the 
clerk doesn't think badly of them, right? And this behavior, these kinds of behaviors that model drug addiction are the ones that people come, when they come clean to a community who's already heard it all, they, <laughs> we've already heard all these stories, we've done them all. And so those are the symptoms, that's the kind of progression that people, if they hear things like this, they start to say, ooh, maybe that's me. So yeah, there's a little tips and tricks in the progression of hiding it, having to come back to normal, and not realizing it really. They're not really thinking consciously. But you know, sometimes actually people come in and they're like, I had to have it or I couldn't operate. You know, I, I couldn't go into the meeting. I couldn't do whatever. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of symptoms like that for sure. Yeah, I think I can relate to some of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I'm not sure that I was ever totally, I guess you'd say hardcore addicted to sugar, but I can relate to hiding candy wrappers and stuff like sure. that. Yeah. I didn't ever have to go to a, an addiction group to give it up, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, my health got me first. Mm. <laughs> I it kind does. of faced with the health issue part of it. And yeah. that's what got me out of it. It's like that was a wake up call for me. So sometimes people end up with a health issue that wakes them up and they go, oh my, what have I been doing? That's the truth. So when it comes to giving up sugar, what do you think is the best or easiest way to go about it? Is it better to suddenly stop and go cold turkey? Or is it better mm. to slowly reduce the sugar and quit gradually? What's your opinion? on that yeah i get that question all the time it's a good one i think if you have a really heavy habit it does help we have kind of a step-down protocol and i don't think you and i talked about it in the preliminary but we find caffeine is an irritant to stopping sugar and we think it we found it over olympic athletes and other people that you got to quit the caffeine first and so we have like a step down where caffeine 30 days sugar 30 days flour 30 days and unless you have a big habit, a gigantic habit, and you're way overweight, and in that is a system where you were probably always overweight and literally as a baby and as a child, you never got to have a life where you wasn't affected by your draw to dopamine and sugar. Then some level of tapering, they call it tapering, tapering down, tapering off works. It helps. It doesn't change anything because at the end of the day, no matter how small you get, in other words, if you're down to whatever, one candy a day or something, one cookie a day, one soda a day, you're still going to have the withdrawal process. The, the process doesn't change. And so most people on about the third or fourth attempt, <laughs> they opt for cold turkey. And so I'm not against tapering. I don't think it's a bad thing, especially if you do the caffeine, sugar, flour route. But eventually you got to face the music and whatever the music is means what rehab, literally biochemical brain rehab that you need, you have to face. And with that comes whatever level of withdrawals your body needs to go through. And the withdrawals are very real. I mean, there's depression. It's not, it's not mental. You don't need to go get an SSRI. But it is, you're lethargic and you're kind of blue for a while. And this lasts for a time. You start to have severe headaches, which should be a big clue. Migraine type headaches in days, sometimes starts right away, but sometimes it doesn't start till the stuff starts to clear in days three to five or seven. You have massive headaches and you can't get out of bed and you're starving all the time. And some people are lighter. I find athletes have a lighter process. They can use and substitute their existing athletic practice and they get a good dopamine brain rehab, but they have work to do too. 
there's a lot of thin people that are sugar addicts and they have work to do too on the emotional stuff because that doesn't change. If they get hurt or injured, and this happens to us a lot, if they get injured and then they can't work out, they breeze through their first 30 days, but they were not able to continue because they weren't able to substitute the workout, the weightlifting or the, the running or whatever. And so they got to do some emotional work at that point. But as far as tapering and cold turkey, I'm a fan of cold turkey. Eventually, you've got to get there. So that's the short version. Right. Yes. Me, I had a health crisis, so I actually didn't have a choice. It had to be cold turkey or I wasn't mm. going to get better. Yeah. Just the way it was. And I'm thinking that if a person is not really deep into addiction, they're just starting the addiction and they realize that this is where they're headed and they quit before they get deep into addiction, then I think it's easier maybe to ease off and go the other way. It's easier to back out, if you know sure. what I mean. Yeah. Well, Michael, I think we'll end our conversation here for today. We have one more episode together to finish up this series. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me. I look forward to our final episode next week. I know it's going to be super interesting. So listeners, be sure to tune in next week as we conclude this series. I always like to end each episode with the bottom line. So here's the bottom line. When it comes to sugar addiction, even real, natural, no sugar added fresh fruit can be an issue if you are a person that is more susceptible to the effects of natural fructose that's found in fruits. The liver is the only organ that metabolizes fructose. An overload of fructose in the body has also been linked to many serious health concerns like fatty liver disease and digestive disorders. There are certain stages of sugar addiction that Michael has identified for us, which can help you figure out if you are truly addicted to sugar. And if you're addicted, there are a couple of ways to quit, going cold turkey or gradually using a step type method. The fact remains that when your body is healing, it will go through a withdrawal process and it will be slightly different for each person. And sometimes people get a rude awakening with a health crisis, like I did, which forces them to deal with their sugar situation. If you have issues with sugar, whether it's sugar addiction or not, I urge you to stand in your power, yes, your power, and reach out for help. Reach out to me, I can help you. And if it happens to be a situation that I cannot help you with directly, I will be able to connect you with someone that can help you. You can go to www.connectwithkathy.as.me forward slash switch to book your appointment. The Sugar Switch podcast is the only short, sweet and to the point podcast program that switches it all up to give you a new perspective on sugar, nutrition and your health. You will find every episode on our podcast website, thesugarswitchpodcast.com. You'll also find us every week on Apple Podcasts, Blueberry, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on Android. Be sure to stay tuned every week for lots of great info that you can use. Join me next week as Michael Collins and I conclude this series. It's sure to be full of more terrific information about sugar addiction. Oh, and remember to tell your friends about it too. They're sure to get lots of benefit. Until next time, go on out there and live the sweet life without sugar. Bye for now. Thank you for joining Kathy on the Sugar Switch Podcast. If you would like to be free of sugar and relentless cravings, increase your energy all day, every day, reverse pre-diabetes, and totally avoid serious health issues like diabetes, inflammation, and heart and stroke issues, Kathy Orman would love to connect with you. 
Find out how the Sugar Switch system can help you be the healthiest you can be. Contact Kathy Orman at www.thesugarswitchpodcast.com. Tune in next week for more great info on the Sugar Switch Podcast. And we'd love it if you'd submit a review for the Sugar Switch Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.